Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. What's up, everybody? Anthony Crudelli here, and thank you for tuning in for this episode with Christian Fromhurst. Futures Radio Show was sponsored by CME Group. They are the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Remember, everybody, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn more about some of the great offers that these sponsors have just for our listeners, please visit futuresradioshow.com slash sponsors. Today, I spoke with the CEO of Tribeca Trade Group, Christian Fromhurst. I have been following Christian on Twitter for some time, so it was really nice to learn more about him and his backstory. And since he is a stock and ETF trader, I thought it was very interesting to hear how he approaches his trading versus someone like myself and many of you that are futures traders. We talked about his entire process for trend trading and momentum. He explains how he uses options for confirmations, picks the markets he's going to be trading. He talks about some of his current positions and explains the reasons he is in them. And last but not least, we talked about mental and statistical edge for discretionary traders. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Christian. So Christian, I've been following you on Twitter for some time. You put out a lot of great content uh, I'm excited to speak with you today. I don't know much about you and your backstory, so let's just start there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Ab- absolutely. Uh, so I started trading all the way back, uh, you know, out of college back in 98. Um, I started as a financial advisor uh, out of college, so I'm kind of dating myself here a little bit. But uh, it's funny because we just, you know, started to hear uh, some brief comparisons to 1999 the other day, which yep. I don't think we're even close to that, but that's right around where I started my career. Uh, so it was definitely an interesting time frame. Um, from there, you know, I was on the retail side and, and I moved over into institutional trading. Uh, I worked at Merrill Lynch for a long time. Uh, Merrill Lynch became Bank of America. Uh, so worked my way onto a trading desk on the institutional trading desk, uh, which was known as a Delta One trading desk. Uh, where you basically trade a little bit of everything. And um, what I specialized in was ETF trading, um, also a lot of baskets, customized indices. So, you know, I worked through, you know, through that time frame from, you know, basically 2000, uh, 2005 to about 2014, I was an institutional trader. So saw a little bit of everything, saw things like, uh, you know, traded through the financial crisis. So really some, some higher, much higher levels of volatility than we're experiencing now. Um, you know, also traded through things like the flash crash. And so really, you know, got, a, got uh, you know, a chance to kind of really live through a lot of different uh, events, um, 
you know, probably the financial crisis being the most, most interesting. Um, and then what I decided to do was kind of um, start my own business uh, after that and, uh, and work for myself. So I've been doing that for, for almost about four years, uh, you know, where I've started the Tribeca Trade Group. And, um, and it's a little bit, um, you know, it's more hands-on. I'm, I'm managing my own money. Um, and then I started a trading room where we're basically, you know, I'm helping traders, you know, um, consistently uh, showing them, you know, the major flow of the day option activity. Um, but what I, what I really do on a day-to-day basis is just kind of mesh um, tape reading with, uh, with technicals and, you know, looking for, for breakouts and, and things like that and really relative strength and momentum in the market. Yeah, you put out a lot of charts. What markets are you trading? Uh, a little bit of everything. I, I mean, I like to say, you know, whatever's moving, right? So predominantly what I trade is, is equities and, and options, uh, but I'll also trade, uh, you know, ETFs. If I really think a, a sector is moving, you know, I'll trade the actual ETF. Uh, and, and also I like international markets, uh, which comes and goes, right? I mean, we've been seeing uh, international markets start to kind of pick up a little bit over the last few months, you know, now that the, the trade war rhetoric is, is hopefully behind us for now. You know, we've started to see emerging markets pick up. So um, if they're dormant and if they're not trending, then I kind of stay away for a little bit. But if they start to pick up, you know, I, I'd love to trade international markets. It just has to be, you know, it just has to have some opportunity there. What do you consider your style of trading? Uh, I would say uh, trend trader uh, and I would say momentum. So I kind of mesh a couple different things. You know, there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, there, there's a, there's a lot of things that I, that really um, fits what I do in terms of personality with, with trend trading and, and sticking with the trend. Um, you know, I really have kind of, you know, bought into that in terms of, you know, no one really knows how long a trend will last. Um, we've certainly seen, you know, a number of stocks, this year that have just continued to trend. So um, I definitely follow that and, and, you know, momentum. So I'm really looking for trying to, trying to, to find uh, what groups of stocks are, are, you know, starting to get either a rotation into. Um, so I use a couple different tools and a, and a couple different indicators to kind of spot momentum and, and what the new trend is. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. So trend trading and momentum is the style you would consider yourself as a trader. Uh, Talk to us about your strategy and take us to the very basics of it. How does everything work within your process? So it's doing a lot of homework. Um, it's, you know, when the market is open, you know, I already kind of have an idea of some of the things that I'm looking for. I'm just looking for new information, right? I know, you know, option trading has become a really big thing the last couple of years in following option activity. Um, I use it, you know, a little bit different than, than most use it. Um, I, I will basically just kind of look for um, ideas, right? So if I see something different on the tape, you know, I kind of just, you know, like a little bit of a, of a vacuum. I just try to suck up as, as much information that I'm seeing on the tape and um, where some of the institutional players are, are putting some, some money. But, you know, that's basically it for option activity. I'm, I'm not one of these guys who think, oh, well, they know something or, you know, it's just really kind of an idea or a spark. So that's what I'm doing during the day. And then at night or, you know, when the market's closed, you know, that's where I'm really doing my research and, and kind of confirming what I'm seeing on the tape. And if it doesn't confirm, you know, then there's no trade. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at that, 
um, going through like a top-down approach and first looking at sectors uh, and seeing if that particular sector is strong. And then I'm going through the, the sector and, and looking for individual names that are really showing the, the relative strength. Um, from there, if, you know, if I'm confirming that, you know, then uh, of course it depends on, you know, where that sector lies, but you know, what I'm always looking for is basically a breakout of either consolidation, you know, or, or, um, you know, something like we just saw like in Salesforce, for example, where Salesforce spent about a year going sideways and then starts to break out. You know, those are the things that, that I really like to see, you know, something that's been quiet for a long time and all of a sudden gets going and it's got momentum to it. Um, and, and there you, you're really looking for, you know, to see how long that, that, that breakout can last and, and trying to hold on, try to hold on as long as you can through that breakout. Are you only trading the long side? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, right now with the market trending, I'm mostly trading uh, the long side. If I'm trading any, I do trade the short side as well, but I'm really quick, right? Uh, you know, and that, that'll change with the market. You know, if, we, if things really start to break down, um, you know, obviously there's some nice opportunity there because things often fall faster than they go up. Um, but I really, you know, consider going back to what I was saying about being a trend trader, you know, if the trend is up right now and I'm seeing really good participation, uh, which we have up until about recently. I mean, the advanced decline line has, has been breaking out now for a couple months. So it's been confirming that, you know, there's been a little bit of weakness in breath the last couple of days. But until there, there's really a, a, a change, like an overall change, um, I'll continue to play things to the, um, you know, to the long side, unless we start breaking like 200-day moving averages and that type of thing. Okay, I want to dig a little bit deeper into your process. So we already discussed how your style of trading, you can consider yourself trend trading momentum. And then you said the process begins with a lot of homework. You mentioned options markets. Uh, talk to us about that homework. Maybe just give us a recent example of the homework that you're doing and what you're specifically looking for in the options markets when you're doing your homework. Yeah, uh, you know, great example. Uh, I would say, you know, a couple sectors that we've that we've seen break out and break out and consolidate and break out and consolidate. Um, I would say the first one is, is the semiconductors. That just continues to to happen. So, you know, of course, what I'll look at is the. Uh, I'll start with like the the SMH ETF or the or the SOXX um, ETF, and I'll just kind of you know confirm, you know, what I'm seeing in the trend, which is basically. You know, we just continue to kind of roll higher um, and we'll come in, you know, we'll, we'll come in for a couple of days. We'll, we'll be like you know, either a couple of days or a week of consolidation um, and then we'll just take the next like higher um, <clears throat> and then just drilling into the individual names. You know, I want to go in and look at, you know, I think, you know, one of the leaders in that group has been AMD. Um, it just doesn't rest as much as the other names. Uh, and then we see call activity, right? We, we'll continue to see like into some consolidation and all of a sudden they'll start buying calls again. So um, it just, it's one of those things where I'm looking for as many things that can kind of confirm what I'm seeing in the technicals when we start to see the institutional buying, you know, and then the last couple of months with the semis, it's been, you know, it hasn't just been the uh, AMD or, or, um, you know, Skyworks or Applied Materials, it's like five or six different names that, you know, institutions seem like they're juggling and just kind of grasping for. So that's the, that's the process of, of just starting with the, the overall sector, 
you know, looking at the, um, you know, what names are the strongest within the group and then just reading the tape and, and seeing where the interest is. Uh, so that I think, um, of course, um, forgetting Taiwan semiconductor, but that's a name too. That's been, you know, one of the leaders of the group and just any type of weakness just, just sees a lot of accumulation and, and, you know, a chance for institutions to jump back in, into, um, a, a more recent one, you know, the, I, the semis have been going on now for months. The more recent one is the home builders. Um, so I'll look at, you know, the ITB ETF. Um, it's actually called how uh, construction ETF, but it's it's home builders. Um, I think there's about 60% home builders in that ETF. But what I was noticing was that this thing was trying to break out, you know, for a couple weeks. And I was in a trade. And, um, you know, this thing just kept on getting to around like the 45, 46 level, just couldn't break out. And then I'll do my homework and, and I'll start going through the individual names. And it looked like a couple of weeks ago, the individual names were just not ready. Um, they just weren't, you know, leaning to the upside. Um, and then just recently, about a week ago, I was going through some charts at night and just breaking apart the group. And, uh, you know, you started to see names like Toll Brothers and, uh, and DHI and, um, uh, TPH, which is another one that, that I just recently got long. You started to see them all start to kind of do the same thing. And then, you know, uh, you start to look for those things on the tape and you'll say, okay, well, they started to buy, uh, you know, Home Depot calls and they started to buy, you know, a little bit of DHI calls. So that kind of confirms, and I, and I, a lot of times I like to be in there too before the call activity. I think uh, sometimes traders don't use call activity uh you know, not necessarily, I wouldn't say that they're doing it wrong, but I think the right way to be using option activity sometimes is, is to try to spot trends before. Um, I think a lot of times it's not rocket science. You know, a lot of the institutions are playing momentum as well. So you get a breakout and then all of a sudden they're starting to, to um, you know, to go in and, and, and buy, you know, calls. And we saw that in Home Depot. You know, I was going through charts, and which I try to do a couple nights a week. And, you know, all of a sudden, Home Depot looked like it was trying to push to the upside. Very next day, we see a whole bunch of calls go, <laughs> go up. So those are the things that I really, like, I get passionate about. You know, I like to find um, the groups that are starting to lean and, and to that breakout. You know, and then, and then this market, we're seeing that, you know, every every five days, we're basically seeing another group kind of, um, you know, start to break out. And then they'll break out for a few days then they'll then they'll cool off. Another group will go. So it's been a really fun market to trade the last couple of months. Hey, everybody, a quick pause here to talk about FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics and data solutions. The Russell 2000 index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 index futures contract symbol R.T.Y. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. Several questions I have here. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, it's I, okay. I, it was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to – I think this is one of the fun things for me to talk to someone who trades ETFs and stocks versus me who trades futures. Like for me, I only trade a couple of markets, so I'm very hyper-focused on really just two markets, S&P, and I trade 10-year ultra. So I'm not looking gotcha. at for all of these different other things that you're looking at. So I, it's always interesting for me to hear 
as a futures trader what the stock and ETF guys are looking at and, and how their process is. So I just want to dig a little bit deeper. And it, it sounds really like your overall strategy is very discretionary to you. I'm sure you have a process, a checklist, let's call it, of things you mm-hmm. look at, but you would consider yourself discretionary. Right. That's correct. Okay. So discretionary. Um, and you have, it sounds to me like you just have this rhythm of finding groups and in these sectors that you're talking about. Um, are you using any, any automation for that? Or is it just by you just spending a lot of chart time looking at things? It, it's a little bit of both. And, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, futures trading and, 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 looking at the S and P, I mean, that, that's basically where I'll start with. Um, you know, one of the things that I do, uh, you know, either on the weekend or, or definitely one night during the week is I'll just kind of look, look at the overall environment. You know, we'll look at things like I mentioned, the advanced decline line. Um, you know, I want to make sure that if I have that, you know, where, where I'm that process where I'm looking at, um, individual names and sectors and so forth, I also want, want to look to see what, what the overall market is doing, um, you know, I want to look to, and, and that's the starting place for me, you know, looking at either the S&P queues and just kind of see, see what's going on in the major indices and if they're clearing resistance, if they're bogged down in a range or if it's breaking support, right? So that's kind of the, the starting point for me. And then, if, and then if I think the environment is strong, if I think the environment is good, um, then I'm going into, you know, the sectors and the individual names and, and the automation part comes with, um, you know, just basically what I do is just, it's a very methodical process. I'll go through and just play, put a lot of alerts at where I think are kind of key pivot points. Um, and I'll basically, you know, rather than, uh, which kind of helps me in a sense to not overtrade as much where I'm, I'm just basically waiting until something triggers. And if I know the alert has gone off and the market environment is right, it kind of helps me get into the trade. Is this how you've always traded or has your process changed over the years? Oh, it's definitely changed. I mean, I'm, I'm always, you know, tweaking things a, a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's the beauty of, um, of trading and, and investing is that you never get to a point where you're like, ah, I solved it. You know, um, it's one of those things that you continuously work on and, and try to get better at because from experience, and I'm, I'm sure you know this too, you just never get to that point where you're like, oh, yeah, this is easy. I figured this out. <laughs> No, you don't. <laughs> Talk to us about some of the indicators that you're using on your charts. Yeah, sure. So there's there's one that um, so I love to kind of get into into the nitty gritty. I'm not a programmer. I can't write lines of code. Um, but one of the things that I used to do in my institutional career was I knew what I wanted, and you know, going to the programmers and basically um, you know programming algos, you know, fine tuning them and so forth. So um, I, I've worked with uh, an individual over the last couple of years and, and he started with an indicator and, and it's got his name and it's called, it's called market webs. What it basically does is, is use the volume profile and it will, you know, go ahead and, and look at like the last period and then it will draw like a nice um, range, uh, what we call the value area. And it will give basically kind of give you a heads up if something is trading just, you know, what we say in value or, or, or in a range versus breaking out. So you could use the beauty of this is it, it doesn't matter what kind of time frame trader you are. You could be a long term trader and you can use the, you could use this on the weekly chart and you'll have a value worry for the whole year. Um, if you're using the daily chart, 
you've got a valuary for the month. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll also use the one hour chart too, and you'll have a valuary for the week. So this really helps with just basically spotting breakouts. And if something is trading in a range, I really don't have a need to really trade trade it unless it's basically just, you know, starting to kind of move from a downtrend to an uptrend or, you know, kind of recover a little bit from a dip. But for the most part, what, what I'm looking at is for, for names to kind of move out of a consolidation area. And I'll do that. And uh, on the one hour chart, as well as the daily chart for the most part. And when they line up together, then I've really got a trade. Actually, I have to say that I'm surprised hearing you say that you use a volume profile as a stock and you know ETF trader. I can't say that I've heard too many people before that trade stocks talk about using profiles. How long have you been doing that? Yeah, this has been going on now for a couple of years, and, and um, we've been refining an indicator as we go along, as we find more significance with doing it. But, you know, to me, it, it hits home with, you know, what I used to do as an institutional trader. We just always used to know that certain traders would care at different levels. Um, and that kind of now how I'm trading now, you know, we'll see that certain levels will come into play. Uh, you know, again, um, and they'll almost act as uh, like gaps sometimes. So it's remarkable, you know, sometimes volume. And, and again, this will really look at uh, volume, price and time and kind of uh, meshes those, those three together. And we'll just find that there, there will be a certain level, you know, as a name is either breaking out or is getting back to like, you know, levels from where it was years ago. Um, it will just have a memory to it, which is pretty, uh, it's, it's fast. It's fascinating, but you know, we'll look at a particular level and we'll say, um, Hey, this is a level that I will, you know, take profits at, um, which again, just really helps in trading once you've kind of mapped your trade out before. And, um, and we'll see it again and again, where there'll be significance at a, at a particular level that was from years ago. I want to go back to something that you said, uh, early in the interview, and you, I asked you, what markets are you trading? You said, whatever's moving. And, <laughs> you know, for futures traders, I always actually suggest doing the opposite of this. Pick one or maybe two markets, especially for new traders. I've always felt that I have one or two core markets, and then maybe I'll, I'll trade a, a gold or a crude oil uh, once in a while, a euro. And it's not something that I trade every day, but I have specific reasons why I would go to those markets in specific instances. When you say that you're trading whatever's moving, how are you deciding that? Because you look at the way the market's been uh, for a while now, right? You could you said trend trading and momentum. Well, that could be a lot of markets. How, how are you choosing which ones to trade, allocating capital to which markets? I mean, talk to us about how all of that works. Yeah, and it does require, I think, some familiarity, right? Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things where if you've been trading for a while, you start to kind of learn different groups and how different sectors perform. And I know certain guys who they, they have, you know, if they're trading like the medical devices, for example, right, which have been trending now for a long time. But I know I have a couple of traders in my trading room who just stick to two or three names and they get to know them really well and know how the, the market maker is, is making markets and so forth. And, you know, that adds to their edge. Uh, so I think that always helps, like getting to know, uh, you know, certain groups of names or s- certain names and, and how they're trading. Um, but, it, you know, it comes down to sometimes that if those names aren't trending, 
you have to move on to something else, right? You, I'm not going, and I see that sometimes with, with traders like, like Amazon, for example. Amazon is not moving. Uh, now, they're going to have earnings, uh, what, in a couple, couple weeks, I think? I don't think it's this week. I think it's next week. But Amazon is, is a name like you could have gotten to know really, really well over the last year, and all of a sudden it dies down. It doesn't have any momentum to it. So, you know, what are you going to do? Keep trading a name that doesn't have momentum? Or are you going to, you know, find another group and kind of get to know that group? So that's, that's what I enjoy doing. You know, it's not like I'm just going to jump on to, to another group. I'm going to learn a little bit about it. Like another example, software stocks went crazy, you know, around the time of, you know, when the trade war heated up. And you start to learn one by one what these little guys do. Um, you know, some of the smaller players that, that were in software. So it does take me a little bit of time. If a group just comes out of nowhere and starts outperforming, uh, if I don't catch it and if I don't learn the group right away, I will kind of back off a little bit and, and learn it a little bit. So there's a little bit of a, of a learning curve sometimes, but I think it just, it just makes sense to really just pay attention and, and be a little bit objective so that you don't get stuck in a name like Amazon that just is not, has been a relative underperformer, just doesn't have momentum to it. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I'm, I'm, thank you for explaining that because I think what you're saying to me, it sounds like you're, you're more, you like this specific strategy. So if you're not seeing what you want out of the names and the sectors that you're trading, you are looking for other sectors and other names that fit the criteria that you're looking for, and that's where you go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's fun too. You know, I, I think it's kind of funny when, you know, for a while value was outperforming growth and, you know, you saw a lot of, a lot of people complaining on Twitter. They're like, Oh, you know, my growth names, they're not, this is a horrible market. <laughs> and you look over it like now granted utilities and consumer staples are not exactly see, but Hey, if they're going to move too, like if they're going to have the momentum, uh, I'm not, I, I'm not bogged down. You know, you don't have to be in investing and trading. You don't have to be hooked into just one group. You know, whatever is going to take off, uh, you can make money in any of these. Now, again, it does take a little bit of, you know, getting to know the business a little bit and, you know, what they do. And, you know, the more, the more background you have into the, into the group and, and what's going on, the better. You know, I don't just fly from one group to another. I like to learn a little bit about it, but, but that's the fun thing I think is that being able, being objective and just kind of um, adapting to what the market gives you, I think is, is, um, is crucial. Hey everybody. I want to take a quick pause and talk about RJO futures. They are a longstanding brokerage firm with personal broker relationships to learn, discuss, and trade the futures markets. To learn more about RJO futures, please visit rjofutures.com. So today is January 22nd as we're recording here. Take us through either a trade that you're currently in or you're currently eyeing from soup to nuts. You know, what the homework would look like, how you go about entering the position, how you would determine a stop, you know, what your risk would be, and then potential targets. Yeah, sure. Um, so one group that I've been looking at um, since the beginning of the year, which is a little bit frustrating right now, but that's good. I'd rather show one that's not just, hey, you know, it's worked really well and so forth. But 
<laughs> right. Cause everybody has those, the, the challenges are the ones, you know, the ones that are, are interesting are the ones that don't go, uh, you know, perfect, you know, right away. So started really looking at the, the China internet again this year, you know, group that I, I thought was just too hard for most of 2019. And I just said kind of, kind of ignoring them for, for the most part. And I missed probably the, the first leg that Alibaba, you know, started to make all of a sudden that name caught momentum. And then we started to see a couple other names within the group, like JD.com, Baidu, you know, had a turnaround quarter last time and, and they've caught some momentum. So that's a group where I've started to, to recognize that if you look at the relative performance between the Chinese internets and the U.S. internets, and you can use an, um, two ETFs for that, one is KWEB, K-W-E-B, and another one is FDN, uh, Frank David Nancy, which is the U.S. internet ETF, which is basically the, your FANG stocks. Um, you started to see that there was some relative outperformance uh, between the, the Chinese uh, internets are starting to outperform. Now, of course, you know, part of this is because of the, um, you know, the trade deal and, and basically just no new tariffs, which I think is most important. But you really started to see them start to outperform. And uh, they've got, a, you know, they've, I don't want to say an open field to run, but, you know, if there's going to be more momentum in this market, I think it's a great place to be. So, yeah, I'll start with that Chinese Internet, internet ETF, KWEB, um, and, then, and then I'll start breaking it apart and just looking for names that look most attractive technically. So a name that I got in, so I, I have been in and out of this ETF, depending, you know, long-term account versus short-term. And that's a big thing. Like if I think that the trend, like if I'm looking at a weekly chart, then I'm not going to be trading, you know, short-term options, right? I'm going to be looking, I'm basically in the stock. So that's something that I've been in. I recognize the level right around 54, uh, which was, you know, one of these pivot points using my indicator. So I did take profits in my one account, um, my shorter term account that I was holding this in. And then I said, okay, well, let's see if this thing kind of comes in a little bit. And you have the opportunity now this week because we're hearing about the coronavirus, which, you know, right away headlines are coming out about this. And of course you have a knee jerk reaction where the Chinese equities are, are selling off on it. So this I think is a better entry, um, you know, point for some names. So if you look at a name like JD.com, which is one name that I bought yesterday, I was looking for an entry into this, but it was a little bit extended. Then I'll, what I'll do is kind of, I'll look for names within the group that start to outperform versus the other. JD was one name yesterday where I said, hey, I'm going to take a shot at one of these. This name's been showing some nice relative strength. If you look to see how it closed yesterday, it actually closed a nice green bar yesterday. And the thing's up 3.9% today. So, you know, it's really bucking the trend. I think the overall group is only up about 1%. Um, so again, so, you know, I'll start with the overall trend in the, in the group, which I think is positive. I think it's showing some signs of something that it hasn't done before in the last year, which is relative outperformance. Um, and then I'll try to find my winners within the group and, and, and what's acting a little bit different. So JD, so JD is a name that I just went in stock and didn't go into options. And it looks pretty good. And I see a lot of things with this group. It's kind of a catch-up trade through some of the, you know, some of the other areas, of, obviously, in the U.S. that have just you know, really done very well. And then I'll, I'll try to map it out. So when I'm looking at, so I've got the charts up right now, I'm looking for this thing to, for JD.com to, to possibly go up to 46. 
So I think it's important, which we haven't really touched upon too much, but just making sure you're defining where your stop price is, where you want to be taking profits, doing all that in the beginning of the trade. Well, how do you how do you define where a stop would be? Let's just use this trade in particular. And then are you also using the same indicator, the profiles that we discussed for helping you with potential targets? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, so the beginning of the trade, you know, I used the for so JD right now is trading at forty one sixty. I was using a stop price of thirty eight dollars, which is basically the the stock has run up consolidated a little bit. So it's putting in like a bull flag. Now, of course, where I would be wrong is if it breaks, you know, if it breaks down and, and it doesn't fulfill that bull flag and it actually break, you know, breaks uh, south rather than north. So, you know, I'm putting my stop like, you know, at an area where it would be confirmed that, hey, it's, it's not a bull flag. So that's my stop. And then I've got targets, which are basically extensions away from this month's value area uh, going north. And that's where I get the 44 level. Thank you for sharing that with us. Last question before we get into rapid fire. Cool. We talked a lot today about your process, how you're discretionary, and something I brought up on social media and on the show several times is I believe that there are two types of edges, mental and statistical. It's great to have both. You definitely need to have a combo of both. But you really got to have a really strong edge in one of them, I think, in order to be successful in trading. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you, you, you have to have, I think you have, a, you have to have a little bit of both. I think you really have to be involved and you really have to love what you do. And you have to have some, some type of edge, something that you're doing a little bit better than, than anybody else or, or something that just that's very good. So for me, it's, you know, being able to kind of, uh, you know, find something that's, that's, you know, different and starting to, to break out um, and being objective through that process and, and finding some relative strength. But I think it also really just comes down to, to the process because you could do all those things and you could do all those things correctly. But if you don't have a well-defined process around it and if you're not disciplined, because just, just because I had the idea, um, I get a lot of ideas that, that they don't work. Too. So you have to be able to fall back on, on the process and, and discipline. And there's little things that I do to kind of trick myself, right? So if you, if you get comfortable with your, your process, you could kind of tell yourself, hey, well, your process is stronger than, in, than any individual pick that you made. Stick to your process and be patient and, you know, you'll, you'll get the next one. But, but, you, but at the end of the day, um, if it's not going to work, it's, it's not going to work. I would much rather do what everybody tries to say and, and let the winners run and, and cut, cut the losers. But the quicker that you can cut the losers and not be uh, static, you know, not, not get bogged down in a name that's not working out for you just because it was your idea. You're um, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, I agree a lot of what you just said. And, and I do think you need a combination of both for sure. And I go back to myself because that's all I can really speak of. And, and for me, I've always felt that my edge is mental edge because if I were to just take my strategy and trade every single signal the exact same over time, I'd probably be at a scratch or a loser. And how I've made money over the years is just by self-awareness um, and, and, and understanding my strategy, execution of my strategy. You know, f- for me, I've made 
a majority of the money trading my strategy in, in very short times to where I know everything is working really well. So I take full advantage of it. So I'm increasing sizes at, at different times, you know, and when things aren't going well and I recognize scenarios and situations that the strategy doesn't work so well, I might just not trade those. And sometimes it burns me because I end up, you know, working really well. You can't be perfect, but I've always leaned on my mental edge uh, versus statistical because I just never had something that was so great statistically because if I did, I would have just automated it. So I, I, that's kind of where I stand on it. And it was very interesting hearing you share your thoughts on it because a lot of what you do is discretionary. So for you, I mean, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it seems to me as though you, you really have a very strong mental edge to be able to to be able to be discretionary. Yeah. And, and it just comes with, it's things that you've, that you've developed over time that have kind of get you around like some of your psychological, you know, stupid things that you may do. Right. Yeah. So the more that you can kind of plan things out a little bit so, so that you're not off guard, you know, we haven't really got into, which I think is outside of, of this, you know, of this call, but, but position sizing and so forth. I mean, everybody's going to have losers and things that, that don't work out. Um, you just have to really be careful that you're, that you are making sure that you're, that you're sizing your trades appropriately. I mean, I just had one that didn't go right for me, you know, basically the last two days and you get to the point where it's like, ah, you know, it's, <laughs> it happened, yeah. you know, and that's another thing is you, you'll never be able to like get all the information that's out there, right? You can only, there's always going to be something that you're just, that you're either a not going to see or, B, it's, it's a headline that's kind of out of your control. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's part of the game. And, you know, the, the, the more that you can kind of get, get over that and the, the idea that basically you are going to have ones that are not going to work out, the, the, the quicker that you can kind of move on to the, to the next best idea. Yeah. Great conversation so far. We're not done yet, Christian. I have rapid fire questions next if you're ready for those. Rapid fire questions. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, everybody, our rapid-fire segment is sponsored by Trading Technologies. Trade the global markets with TT. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. You can try it now for free at tryttnow.com. Christian, first question for you. What traders influenced your life the most and why? Yeah, I'm going to go with a, with a popular choice that you probably uh, hear a lot. But I'm going to go with Stanley Druckenmiller. Uh, there, there's a couple things that I, that I really like about him. Uh, you know, the fact that he's got great instincts, but he's got the process behind him too. Uh, I think he's a pretty disciplined from what I, from when I listen to him, he sounds like he's a very disciplined trader. Uh, and the other thing about him that you don't hear too many talk too too many people talk about is he's humble. Uh, I just don't hear him brag. He's always like, I think he recognizes that this game is very difficult. And he's never one of those guys to be like, oh, yeah, I, I nailed it. So I, I admire him a lot. What was one of the hardest things for you to overcome in trading? I think stubbornness. Um, stubbornness comes from probably my, my, my whole family. So, you know, that's one of those things, you know, your weaknesses you want to be able to recognize quickly and, you know, do things to kind of trick your mind. Um, we mentioned before about you know, having confidence in, in your overall process and, and, it, and then, in any individual one pick, um, I think that helps me out a lot. How has your trading process evolved over the years? Adding more rules, uh, you know, knowing yourself, 
um, you know, knowing what you're strong at, knowing at, knowing what you're not good at, and then playing to your strengths. What is one attribute that you believe every trader should have? Process and, and good instincts, a couple of things we already talked about, you know, having that process and being able to fall back on that is important. Favorite book about trading? Uh, I've got two in here, but they're kind of one in the same. I like the turtle traders, very easy to read, great story. And I also like trend trading. If you had to pick a profession other than trading, what would it be? Uh, so I'm going to go with the, the fantasy uh, profession because uh, you didn't define that in the question. So I'm going to go with football coordinator, very much involved in sports. What's the best piece of advice you received about trading? Uh, don't fight the Fed and don't fight the trends. If you can go back in time and give the younger you a piece of advice about trading, what would it be? I would say to learn to write early uh, as well as public speaking. You know, I think if a lot of people who go into technical backgrounds, they think that they may not, they may not need to know these things. But they do come up in your life. You do know, know how to. You do know how to need to write as well as to public speak. If you had an elevator pitch me your edge in trading, what would you say? Being able to to find the trend in groups of stocks, um, stick with them, and uh, and you know using the the market webs, the indicator that I discussed uh, to help me execute my plan. Last question for today: favorite thing to do when you're not trading. Skiing. I love to ski. Uh, it provides a great break away from the screens, really clears your head, um, and gets you outside, which is important. Yeah, I love being in the mountains. Not a skier anymore. Last time I went, I wiped out. That was it. <laughs> Too scared of injury now. I <laughs> uh, golf. Um, uh, where can people find you on Twitter and give us a website to check out? Yeah, sure. So Twitter handle is my first initial and last name. So at from Hertz, and I'm at TribecaTradeGroup.com. Tell everybody a little bit about Tribeca Trade Group and what they'll learn when they go to your website. Yeah, sure. So, so I run an all-day trading room, you know, and what I try to do is just, um, you know, provide a lot of insight into, you know, how I'm trading. Everybody can see what I'm trading and, and just the thoughts that go on in my mind and, and um, you know, from someone who's been trading uh, institutionally for a number of years and, and now has kind of brought that to, um, to retail traders and, and makes a living at trading. Great conversation today, Christian. Thank you so much for taking me into your world of trading stocks and ETFs. I learned a lot. Thank you so much for coming on Futures Radio Show today. Thanks so much, Anthony. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can listen to all of our episodes on FuturesRadioShow.com, iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher.